Welcome to Rising Tide Startups, where today's most exciting solopreneurs share their startup stories. They also deliver tangible strategies that they would implement personally if starting their business over today. Each episode is a startup masterclass. Make sure you take notes. Take it away, Kevin. This is Kevin Pruitt with another episode of Rising Tide Startups, and my special guest today is Julia McCoy. Julia, thanks for joining us all the way from Texas. Thank you so much, Kevin. So great to be here. I am, uh, we were chatting just a little bit off off camera or before we hit the record button. And I, I said there were so many tangents that we could chase today. But before we jump into that, I would like you to share a little bit about you and family background, education, experience, just a, kind of a quick summary just to lay the groundwork for who is Julia McCoy. Let's do it. Well, um, let's see. So I run several businesses. Um, one is the content hacker and the other is express writers. Express writers is the company I started. It'll be 10 years this May, 2021. And I started that when I was a college dropout living in my father's fundamentalist cult. Um, so it was a passion led path for me. My whole life really has been a testament to, you know, what God can do and walking in your passion and what you're meant to do in life and letting your talents align with your career. And for me, that did not look like going to college. I failed college twice, actually was going to get an RN degree, took the semester twice and failed both times. But, you know, I think that had something to do with how I was growing up, which was in a cult, which was very mm. oppressive, abusive. Yeah legalistics, you know, you can't really function that well in that environment. Uh, but at 19, I started Express Writers and I really didn't think it would make it more than a year. So it's amazing to me to see where we are today. We're this company that provides almost hundred jobs. And now I teach people through the content hacker how to do content better. Um, and I have three books out. My fourth one is coming out this February. It may be already out when you launch this depending. So February of 2021, Skip the degree, save the tuition is my fourth book coming out. Wow, I am I am anxious to to take a take a look at that because it's that's such a hot topic right now. I mean, the whole idea of hacking your education or uncollege or however you want to phrase unlearn. that. I mean, yeah, unlearn absolutely and and unschooling. So it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it's really an interesting topic. But I'm I'm anxious. Let's let's walk back to when you're 19. Are had you gotten out of the cult by that time, or did you start your the business while you were still there? I started it while I was still there. So I was still in the cult and I just, it was a light bulb moment. Like there's no better way to describe it. I was going through college, failing my second time through. And one morning I woke up and it was like a light bulb hit me. Why don't you go find out what you like to do and see if you can make money doing it. So I acted on that that day. I was 19 is a random weekday morning and went um, on my computer and just started researching how to make money online writing. And back then the market was kind of monopolized by um, Upwork, which back then was called mm -hmm. Odesk. Yep. And there was a lot of like non-native English writers there. So I had, you know, I definitely had a leg up. Um, there was still a lot of competition, but I would say a lot less than what we have today, which content has evolved so much. It's wild. So I'm, I'm anxious to, to know, I mean, as I think as listeners are going to listen to the same, wow, she actually does like a copy editing service or copywriting service. She doesn't have a college degree. She started this when she was 19. That That's not, there's some math problems going on there in their mind right now. So <laughs> tell me, I mean, the average, you know, senior in high school or whatever is probably not prepared to jump in and make money, you know, in a, in a copy world. So 
Was that something you really excelled at or did you grow into that? What was the, walk us through that process. Yes, that's a really good question. Um, so my journey definitely goes back to, I remember one of my earliest memories is reading and writing when I was like seven, I was writing. And by the age of 12, I had written a 200 page book. Wow. And I think it helped. I've since like studied this objectively since leaving, um, you know, living in trauma is never a good thing. Uh, but the outcome of that was it kind of gave me a way to focus on my passion as an outlet because it was the only outlet. It was literally a lifeline for me to write, read. My life was like best lived through stories. And I've since come to know like JK Rowling, Harry Potter emerged in one of the darkest periods of her life. She had lost almost everything. And that story is true for so many people. And so I think that trauma does give you this insane perspective that maybe a lot of people miss where you can look through all the shadows and see what you're good at. And that becomes your lifeline and you just go to it because it's all you have. And so for me, that was writing. And whenever I jumped in at 19 years old, I just, I was really motivated to teach myself because I loved it. So every day I was up at 4am learning how to write, teaching myself just through getting gigs. Mm. So I would take a gig, I would start writing, the client would tell me what was wrong, I would revise it. And then I would take the next gig and apply what I learned to that next gig. And little did I know that was like a trade based education wow. that I went through in you know, an accelerated period of three months. And by the time three months came, I was a pretty good content writer. <laughs> so it's crazy if you follow the path of just building your own skills and you practice, practice, practice. And then, you know, since then I've leveled up and that looks like investing in coaching and kind mm -hmm. of going to that next level. Um, you can really get far just going down that path. Right. I mean, it sounded like to me that, that, you know, nothing's wasted kind of in, in God's economy leading up to that point. So, you know, even the, the most oppressive, you know, point you were in, it was still, I mean, like if there was any redemptive nature to that, it was the fact that it was leading you to, mm. you know, growing a skill that you could actually use to make money later. Yeah. I, I, I think I was listening to maybe another interview that you did where you talked about, you actually bought a car through this and the car was instrumental in helping you get get out of that situation was that true yes i did so i was just i i was really scrappy i guess my mind was always um maybe the entrepreneurial gene i don't hey, you're know you're a teenage girl getting up right? at 4 a.m on your own <laughs> i would i'd say scrappy Probably. is a light use so that i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> we need we need some a little more strength there so that's right <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, yeah. So, you know, that drive was just, um, it came from, you know, following my passion and going down that path. Um, so you were saying um, at 19, what was the question again? The car. The, yeah, the, no, car, I interrupted car. you. Sorry, I knocked you off your train of thought there. Yeah, oh, it's okay. Yes. So um, I had been working, uh, writing while going through college for about, I think it was like six to eight months. And I was able to build up an income of about 2,500, 3,000 a month, which was like, you have to understand, I grew up in a family of four and we lived on $400 a month. Like mm. we were just, you know, we were poverty level. In fact, we were below it. Uh, we didn't buy clothes. Like we looked for, sometimes we were looking in trash bags. So for me to be able to make that in a matter of months, just learning the skill was 
unheard of. And I really learned how to save. Like I, from an early age, you know, I watched my parents never spend money. So that kind of got embedded in me was to just save, save, save. So in a matter of months, I had enough saved up to buy a secondhand car. It was almost brand new. It was actually the last make and model of that year. And they were trying to sell it. So they sold it for $7,000. So I got like pretty much a brand new car for $7,000, but it didn't have electric windows. So it was like the manual, you're cranking mm -hmm. your window up. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, it was kids, you used to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is that? That's right. <laughs> so I was able to buy that car and um, get that. And my parents let me buy it to my surprise, um, because I said yes to them to going back to college that fall and trying that would have been my third time trying college. So that was like the only reason they let me buy it was I agreed to go back to college. You know, it's, it's crazy how sometimes that pressure comes from parents, which mm -hmm. is, you know, just so crazy. That wasn't my passion at all, but I had it before I escaped the cult. And it was definitely, you know, without that financial stream or that car, like I was locked there because we weren't allowed to go anywhere. It was a very closed environment. So kind of walk us that I, I don't want to dive too deep in this. I don't want to dredge up any bad memories, but so you literally in the middle of the night, you get up, you get your stuff together. You, it's kind of like, uh, you know, one of these made for TV shows where you literally are sneaking out the window <laughs> and you're running down the street because yep. you parked the car a block yeah. away, you know, so they wouldn't see it and they wouldn't mm -hmm. hear the engine start. And so yeah. where, where were you going? Yeah. Anywhere, so, anywhere away. That was my initial thought. And then I was like, you know, I need a plan because I <laughs> already like started a business, saw the, you know, bad, bad side effects of not planning. So I was like, we need a plan. So I took my older sister with me. Um, she was <clears throat> a totally different personality than me. She didn't, she didn't really want to ever start anything herself, but she was my motivation whenever I said, let's get out of here. And she kept me strong. She was like, we're doing it. And I was 21 when I made that decision and she was 24, uh, 23. So we both got out and we used my car, just like you said, parked at a street over. So they couldn't hear it. Um, and then we left letters behind just telling them like, this is not the life we want to live. We had a wake up call that year when I turned 21 for my birthday, <laughs> the letter I got was from my dad saying, your life isn't worth living. And he was basically just listing all the sins that he thought he called sins, like wearing the color red was a sin. So in other words, sin is up for debate there. Yeah. Uh, so he made this list and that was the reason why he considered us complete failures at 21. And as tough as that letter was to get, it was also my wake up call mm -hmm. because I thought, okay, well, if he really doesn't care if I lived, why am I still here? And he didn't mean it to be the wake up call. He thought it would break me and make me his slave, you know, for life to his church, but it did the opposite. It really woke me up. Mm -hmm. So that fall, that was 2012. I was 21. I made a plan and that plan was to go meet someone that I had just met online in person. And that person turned out to be my husband <laughs> who I married three months after escaping. So I drove straight from Pennsylvania, right to Missouri. I think you said you're from Missouri. So that's where I my am, husband yeah. lived. Yeah. Drove 900 miles. And that's what I did. Um, we went to someone's house to sleep that night. The first, one of the first persons we told 
what life was really like. And she knew dad. So it was really a gamble. I was not sure how that was going to go, but it went well. She let us borrow her house that night. And then I made that drive, went straight to Missouri. And the person that I met online didn't turn out to be creepy. You know, that could have gone so bad, like in yeah. hindsight, yeah. it really could have gone. But you terrible. did have your sister with you though, maybe right at the time, or had you gone on, were you on your own at this time? Yeah. Whenever I went to Missouri, I was completely on my own. Wow. So my sister stayed in Pennsylvania and she still, I think she finally moved to West Virginia, which is pretty much the same, Yeah, <laughs> but she stayed in the area. So where in Missouri did you end up that, that first day? So I was in Springfield, Missouri. Um, and yeah, I landed at Josh's front door. We had met online. He hired me to write for him through Upwork, which was Odesk. And it was just an immediate connection. And it was like, now looking back, I know it was meant to be, even though I didn't know it at the time. Cause it was just like, you know, the sound of his voice, the words he was saying, like, this is someone I can trust. And I just knew it like that light bulb moment again. Mm. And so, yeah, I landed there at Springfield, Missouri. I think it was 11.55 p.m. at night because the drive took so long. And he was the complete opposite of my dad. Like, he really, really cared. And I saw that whenever he made me dinner. And that was something, like, my dad had never done in, gosh, 15-plus years of marriage because that was only her job. So, you know, that was, like, the first interaction I had with him. And I was like, wow, this is completely different than what I grew up with. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're going to find this amusing, but uh, actually that's my hometown. So wow. where you landed was, uh, was, was the home, was the place I've lived for 15 years of my life, went to university there, met my wife there. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's home. Small so world. yeah, you, you landed in a good place. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. it was a good city. I have good memories. Yeah, that's that. Uh, it's, it's certainly it's not quite Texas, but it's it's close yes. enough. So, <laughs> well, I'm anxious to uh, to hear kind of the the growth. So, you you had this business rolling. It was generating you know a certain amount of money a month. But what was the what was kind of the next stage? I mean, that where you you really saw like you know it's kind of that hockey stick you know upward upward and to the right growth where you saw a real shift and you thought, wow, this is really starting to generate some, some real money. Mm, yes. So we had, um, we had consistent growth. Well, I call it consistent, but it was really 200% growth the following three years, you know, after that year I left and it was definitely for me, um, just leaving my dad's house for one, I know my business would never have made it like they were giving me business advice. And one of the tips they told me to do was to set my profit margins at 10%. So I was only making 10% and paying everyone else 90. And you know, the first payroll you learn pretty quick, you can't pay your bills. Yeah, exactly. That model. So, you know, I couldn't have lived there and my business survived. So getting out was definitely the catalyst um, to going from, you know, $30,000 a month to a hundred thousand, then 200,000. And then in a few years, 600,000, and then just continued to grow. And then on top of that, um, this person that I just, you know, God placed me with, Josh, he has become my business partner. So he, um, he always, we give each other advice and his advice is really solid and practical. So he has told me, you know, to like stop sending PayPal invoices and use a software mm. <laughs> and so little things like that. Yep. I had no clue how to manage that. He really stepped in and gave me some guidance that I really needed back then. All those, it's the, it's almost like, um, 
the little things really matter. That's what added up, you know, mm -hmm. to our success is just being consistent and consistently doing it better the next day, even if it's by 1%. Do you remember that moment that, um, I mean, there's a, there's a book that talks that's called the E-Myth. Do you remember that moment where you stopped working in your business and you started working on it? Mm, yes. Yes, I do. And it's funny you say Emeth because we, we actually called that company. There's a, a, a coaching company associated with Emeth and we called them and just to get some advice um, because, you know, it was a very well-known book, especially, I think it was like 2016, 15 back then, like that was the book everyone was talking about. So we called that company and they, they were like, you know, Julia, how would you feel about delegating all of the tasks that you currently do? And at first it was a lot of fear. I was like, really, I have to give that to someone else. You know, so that was my immediate reaction. And then I've realized since like, you can't succeed without delegation. You can't yeah. scale, yeah. you can't grow. And I look at it now as a partnership. You know, if we partner with the right people that really care, we're going to hit next level together. So how do you decide that? I mean, as somebody like, like I'm a little bit like you, I'm, I'm probably prone to, to shy away from delegation because I think, you know, I, I want to do this myself. I, you know, I, I'll do it like I want it done, not necessarily it better, but I'll do it like I want it done, you know, and I don't want to have to take the time to teach somebody else to do it and then maybe check up on them, make sure they're doing it. So how did you kind of make that shift? Because that, that's a, that's a pretty, pretty substantial shift in, you know, personality, management style, whatever you want to call it. Yes. Um, I think it was just a mindset shift. You know, once I realized, okay, I have this fear of letting go of something that I know I need to let go of to hit growth and get like time freedom back, all the things I wasn't experiencing. Then it was like, okay, it's on. And, you know, it's just like another light bulb turned on. <laughs> and then it was just a matter of finding the right people. And yeah. that still today is, you know, one of the hardest pieces of the puzzle. It's like continuing to find really good people that are like your needle in a haystack. And it, it is like that. Like we will go through hundreds of people to find one writer and, or a project manager, whatever it is. So it's just knowing that like you won't, the first person you run into likely won't be the right partner. <laughs> so learning that the hard way, that was a, definitely a good lesson for me. So do you tend to onboard people like on a part-time basis and, and kind of give them a track record or you have, give them some assignments initially and see how well they do with that. And, and they kind of grow into a full-time role with you, or is this like, you know, we have, we're, we're actually scaled up so much now that we actually have to hire, you know, full-time positions at, you know, from the very beginning, or is it kind of a mix? Yeah. So we set it up on to be completely contractor based and mm -hmm. that still has worked out really good for us. So we let our contractors kind of set their own, I guess, hour or workload whenever it comes to the majority of the task. So like writing, editing, we really let them set their own schedule if they're that person that like passed our test, did really good. So we're like, you can write as little, edit as little or as much as you want. And then we look for core team leaders, like our project manager, our client person, our content manager. And those people are definitely full-time. You know, we want, we kind of want the monopoly of their attention. We set the stage for that and pay well. Um, so that structure has worked out really, really good for us. Do you, have you, have you used university students and I mean, as, as contractors as well, and, and then maybe 
once they graduate, they would maybe take on a team leader role or, or a full-time role? Yes, we've worked with a few um, graduates, but um, what we find is the majority of them aren't able to pass our writing test or any of our other interviews. You mean like the 19 year old I'm talking about that? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That started the business. (laughs) We're like, yes, go back and, you know, learn, go to Upwork for a little bit. (laughs) No. But what we do instead now is we kind of send them to my courses and we're like, you know, if you're willing to invest in whatever lack we see in their skill set, like if it's SEO writing, I have a course on that. So we point them to that. And if they invest and come back, they're often ready for paying work. Yeah. So that's kind of a magical, I guess, solution. You could say we've kind of figured out because we've sent them to other courses. We've Oh, we've tried everything. And that's why I finally created courses. Cause I was like, we, we have to solve this market need where people are coming in and they don't know how to craft online content. Mm. And we just, we want people out of the box that are ready to go so we can trust them with paying work right away. So that kind of solved that need. And recently um, someone who went through my content strategy course, she's very young, just graduated. Uh, she was able to take on, I think, three different roles at Express Writers because of how well she accelerated her skills. You can also kind of tell, you know, their commitment level, if they're willing to invest in, yes. in the course itself, then they're, they're probably, you know, are going to, sp- you know, be committed to whatever task you give them as well and, and not just kind of drop the ball on their end. But so walk me through the kind of a typical day right now, now that you've kind of been e-mythed as a verb, you know, <laughs> so what, what is a typical day in the life of Julia McCoy look like? Yeah. So I definitely wake up 5 a.m. Got kids <laughs> in, in bed with us. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It definitely doesn't look like 4 a.m. anymore. That, <laughs> that was just too rigorous. <laughs> but I definitely like to get up early. Um, and the only time I get off track really is the holidays where, you know, we'll sleep in a little bit. Uh, but early morning. And then I just start with a simple routine of meditation, clearing my mind. I find that if I start my day really well with just a simple routine where like the phone is put away, distractions are off and I'm centering myself, grounding myself. I'll read the Bible, meditate. Um, if I start from that place, like the difference of being reactive versus proactive shifts mm. so yeah. much. And it's like, if I start my day looking at my phone and that's all I did, um, for the entire morning, then it's like everything that comes my way, I'll be reactive to it. And it's almost like, I, I think I've researched this and there's definitely some science attached to it. You know, the way you prepare your brain affects the rest of your day. So starting there is really good. Um, and that's how I start my day. And then it's, I dive into the heaviest tasks, usually like book writing, managing the team, planning our next growth steps. I'll dive into that right away not schedule any meetings until like afternoon, noon, Mm -hmm. 1 PM after. And that really helps me just make the most of my morning and get like, what would be the hardest task done? Yeah. I think that, that the way you've structured your day is, I think is, is wise. And it sounds like to me that you may even be more productive first thing in the morning and, or maybe more clear-minded, I guess, you know, first thing in the morning. I, I certainly am. I mean, that's that, from say 6.30 a.m. till you know, like 10 in the morning is probably prime time, you know? Yeah. And then two o'clock in the afternoon, it's it's like- almost, Forget it. You got deadpan. So there, <laughs> yeah, there's not much, bringing, not bringing much to the table there. So <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
and you, I, I understand you, you kind of throw in some chickens every now and then, and you got a little stuff around the ranch there in Texas that you, you kind of piddle with from time to time. Yes. And you got your little mini farm store going and, and spread, you know, sharing things with your neighbors. So um, it sounds like to me that you're a classic underachiever, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 may, you may struggle with laziness and we may need to talk about that. So, I may. <laughs> so you sleep about three hours a night if you're lucky. So, yeah. <laughs> so tell me how you've had to adjust or pivot. Uh, I know, you know, the work's online for the most part, but how have, how have you seen a, a change in your business as a, you know, as a result of COVID and, and um, you know, just maybe impacting your clients? Mm, yes. Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny because we didn't really feel the effect till August. Like we were going good for a few months and I was like, wow, we've only had like a 10% drop. And then August, like 50% of our income was gone in one mm. month over at Express Writers. And the reason was a lot of our top retainers, they had brick and mortars that they were doing content marketing for. And those brick and mortars had to lay them off because they had to shut down. Mm. Um, so we got laid off as almost the third party involved there. Um, so we definitely had to do some work picking ourselves back up and it was just kind of tapping into new connections and thinking of niches that were still succeeding, like legal chiropractor, those niches were still doing really, really well, if not mm -hmm. better. So we saw a lot of clients in those areas need more content. Um, and then we just started changing our own content calendar to talk about you know, what's trending right now for you to publish on? What do your audience, what does your readers care about? And there's definitely a big shift that happened for a lot of industries. Um, I think in March, search traffic went from 3.6 billion searches per day to 6 billion searches per day Wow! over one week. And so like the inflation of consumption at, uh, escalated so mm -hmm. much. Yeah. And that 6 billion number has only increased. I track it on internet live stats, like a data nerd, you know, almost every day. And I'm like, that number is past 6 million. And we're in January of 2021. And, you know, that's going on almost 12 months pretty soon. So I think the opportunity is massive for brands that are looking to step in front of their audience that is scrolling now that so many people have gotten online. Yep. So we're seeing the opportunity. And uh, my second brand, the content hacker actually doubled last year. So, you know, we're not a million dollar business there yet, but we saw a lot more people need education and look for ways to build their own skills. Like maybe they didn't need us to write content, but they really needed to learn how to do it. So, you know, um, selling consulting education that has become a way hotter market now because people are like, how do I do this? I'm in this, you know, new world. Maybe they got laid off right. or their employer sent them home and they have to learn all these new apps and do it themselves in their home environment. Yep. So really changed. And I think that'll continue to change and impact our economy. That's not going to go away. No, I, I, there's, there's not kind of a post COVID recovery back to pre COVID times. I mean, right. we're, we're no certainly way. in a, in a new world, you know, um, kind of define the difference between express writers and content hackers. Yes. Yeah, so express writers, we do, uh, we write content at scale for small to medium-sized businesses. We do blogging, website content. Um, sometimes we'll do like 
50, if an, we had an airport come in before COVID that needed content for like a hundred different destinations. So we did a hundred blog posts to target those locations. That's where so your 50% really drop happened right. <laughs> in that one airport. That's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was actually like four or five years ago. Uh, but that's what we're really good at is doing like a lot of content without any drop in quality. Mm -hmm. And um, we have an e-commerce platform there. So clients can actually go and order content themselves. And we're kind of working on all of that. So like new iterations of our custom developed e-commerce platform, we're still planning on getting out more iterations of that. Uh, we just had our major e-commerce platform relaunch last October. So that was a big, uh, big launch for us. And Content Hacker is completely just education-based. So it's like, how do you, the meaning of Content Hacker is how to grow through content in a growth hacking mindset. And growth hacking is all about kind of throwing traditional marketing out the door in favor of what really works today, tomorrow. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's my perspective with content is, content is not set and forget. It's not something where you can just, go on a platform, post something and expect clients. Like <laughs> I wish that right. was years ago, right. not today, not yeah. anymore. So that's why I'm teaching that now content hacker. So do you, do you work with uh, SEO as, as well, like individually, or are you doing SEO through content itself? Yes, we're doing it completely through content itself. So we do a lot of the reason clients hire us at Express Writers is to get more SEO rankings, mm -hmm. but we have a fully content-based approach. That is, that's, I mean, I've, I've interviewed a number of people that are kind of in the digital space, you know, with digital marketing space or whatever, and they, whether they're doing ad base or whether it's, you know, just trying to hack the system or whether they're trying to do it through content. It's just really interesting to hear the different approaches and the different theories of, of how this, and actually all of them work at some level. You know, yes. with the, and and it's interesting that that uh, I think I think content is a little more insulated from say algorithm changes than than <laughs> say, you know, just a a straight you know maybe SEO approach or or something like that or trying to hack it you know through backlinks or something like that. But talk a little bit about the the idea of like like speak to our audience who's who's maybe they have something that has just started to take you know getting some momentum here. What is the, what are the things they need to be cognizant of as, you know, kind of pre-growth stage that, you know, you wish you would have known when, when your, your, your companies really started, started taking off, you know, maybe some lessons learned, mistakes made, that type of thing. Yes. I would say, um, you know, don't set your growth goals to happen too quickly. Uh, for us, we kind of, we've done that a few times, you know, launch something preliminary, whether it was a service, um, you know, a feature, and we just learned we couldn't support that. And so that would be one of the biggest lessons is don't launch too quickly. And I would just also add to keep at it, you know, whatever you're doing, just be consistent. Mm -hmm. That is one of the secret keys really is those who are persistent and stay at it. They they're the ones that win in the end. And sometimes it's just a matter of keeping your head in the game long enough, not letting things affect you to where you don't give up too quickly. Well, it has, it has been really fun to kind of, you know, we've been connected on Facebook a little bit, you know, for the last few months or whatever. And it's just been fun to kind of see your, 
just the the content you even produce through that medium and oh, and thanks. the 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 idea of just all the different things you're involved in. I mean, we haven't even really haven't even scratched the surface on the things that you've, you've probably done and <laughs> there's a lot you've been planning, you know, to do in the next year or so. But um, where where online is the best place that that people can find you and uh, just kind of you know follow your story and and actually, I mean, you produce so many things even content wise you know, through social media. So it's, it's actually a learning tool for them as well. Yes. Yes. I've been doing that more. It's just turning my social media platforms into a way to share things that really add value. Um, but you can find me at contenthacker.com, expresswriters.com and follow me on Instagram, Fib Entrepreneur, Twitter at Julia E. McCoy. And then of course, Facebook. I love to connect on Facebook as well. I'm always sharing, um, you know, you'll hear some opinions. So FYI, <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook, it's the only place where I'm like, I share, you know, every side of me, I try to keep the other platforms as pro, I mean, it's still real content, but as pro as possible, professional. Um, but yeah, I welcome new connections all the time. And then my books, you can find those on Amazon under Julia McCoy. And you can follow me. My goal is to, if you follow my Amazon author page, my goal is to launch a book every Gosh, I said two years, but I actually might make it every year for the foreseeable mm. future. Wow. So, and I've already started my fifth book. So as of the time of talking this podcast, actually, <laughs> this was the day I outlined it. So it'll have good ghostwriters that could help you write your book. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me think express writers. <laughs> well, Julie, it has been a true pleasure just to catch up with you. And I appreciate you taking the time and, and just sharing your story and, and just I mean, the ups and downs of not just the business side of things, but life and, you know, as it happened. And, and uh, it has really been uh, you've taken us on quite a journey today. And, and just thank you for really just playing your part and helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Julia, have a great day. Thank you so much, Kevin. You too. Appreciate it. Another episode in the books. We hope you heard some great takeaways. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening to Rising Tide.